Theresa and I were engaged, she lived in Midland, and I lived in Grand Prairie. Uh, I was the youth pastor there, Grand Prairie First Church um, of the Nazarene. Still there, actually. A good friend of mine is now the pastor there. But uh, I was youth pastor there. She, we weren't married yet, just engaged. She was still living in Midland. Some of the hardest times of our life being separated. You know that, how that goes, and uh, we, we did not like that at all. But I, I can remember the discussion one night on the phone. It got a little heated. And um, it, that was back in the day when we weren't carrying, well, actually, we had cell phones, but um, long distance was not yet free. You guys remember those days? Anybody remember the 10-10-220 ad? Anybody remember that? I still remember. That was how we did our communication. For 20 minutes, you could speak for 99 cents. And uh, we, would, we would do that together. But I remember this conversation, and I remember it got a little heated. Honestly, I don't remember what we were arguing about as is, I guess, the case for a, a lot of times. But, but the dreaded words popped up, and I can remember very clearly her saying, well, then maybe we should just break up. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I hadn't thought about what life would be like without her. It just hadn't been anything in my ideas or my thoughts or my vocabulary. Being in love is a crazy thing. If you've ever been in love with, uh, with somebody, if you're married, you know, just that, that kind of love. If, if you're maybe um, engaged or betrothed, it's, it's awesome. Being in love, there's, there's nothing quite like it. It was in that instant that I, I think it was at that moment that I decided I really did love her. You know, because really when those words come up, it could go either way. And in that moment, I, I'd probably said it many times before, but I can remember it was in that moment that I really felt it because there was something about her that made me want to do better, to, to be better, to, to be a better person. Something about her made me want to please her. To be honest, I was different when I was around her. I don't know what it is. I don't know other than to say it was love. Everything else, playing games, being with friends, just whatever, everything else was less important when I was with Sarisa. And then we obviously reconciled, and here we are 21 years later, as strong as ever, stronger than ever in our relationship, happier than ever. The point of me telling you that story is there's the relationship that I have with her should com, uh, pale in comparison to my relationship with Holy Spirit. I need to be so close with him that he makes me a better person, that he makes me want to do better, that he makes me want to be better. Having said that, I am going to talk to you about um, the... Uh, uh, a story about Paul, um, Acts chapter 19, and I can let you find your way there if you want. Also, the notes today are going to be in the Bible app, uh, the live event section, or you can get the church's app. Um, the church app is going to be there. And by the way, if you want to download the church app, I think it's two words, Lantana app. If you text that to 77977, it'll help you get to the right place. And I would encourage you to, to go there today because there's going to be quite a few scriptures, supporting scripture that won't be on the screen. But 
All right, so Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. <laughs> it's an interesting story, right? What is it with all this Holy Spirit talk anyway? What is it with this, this emphasis? It's, it's a direction that we feel God is giving us in this new decade. It's something that has really been on my heart for a little while and something that we are praying for on Wednesday nights. Uh, and if you haven't been here, I, I would encourage you to come. God, send your spirit. We want your spirit to be here and among us. So in this scripture, Paul's traveling around. He's, he's teaching people from city to city in the ancient world, preaching gospel, the gospel, uh, starting churches, and then he came to Ephesus. And he found in Ephesus that there was already a small group of believers who were there. They had been baptized, and, and they were trying to live a Christian life. And as Paul got to know them, he asked if they had received the Holy Spirit. He realized they hadn't, and in fact, they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't realize there was such a thing. Can you imagine in that time? Here, here these people were, and they had received the baptism of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was, you remember what he was saying, repent, repent. And we talked some time ago that the word repent in this time was changing from uh, one thought, changing from your former thought to a different thought it's a, it's it's a complete change so we repent but they that was the baptism they had received they had heard that they, they hadn't even heard of the holy spirit and, and i got to tell you honestly it feels like maybe that's where many christians are today in our case we've heard of the holy spirit we even repeat creeds that say i believe in the holy spirit but we have little understanding of what that actually means. I wonder if sometimes we're a little afraid of the Holy Spirit. So what is all this Holy Spirit anyway? That's what I want to try to answer today, okay? So the first question is this. What is the Holy Spirit? Written incorrectly because Holy Spirit is not a what, but a who. Who is the Holy Spirit? We have to recognize that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God, alive and present and at work among us today. <laughs> okay. The Holy Spirit, who is God, is alive and present and He's active among us today. See, I don't want to be like the Christians that Paul came across who didn't know who the Holy Spirit was, hadn't had that impact in their life, and they were going and they were trying so hard to live the Christian life. But they hadn't had the power yet. 
I was in uh, to be ordained in the Church of the Nazarene is quite a process. You start out with a, a local license at, at the uh, local level. This church, in fact, we have several who have been local licensed and are seeking to be local licensed. It's a local minister's license. You begin to explore your call to ministry. And then after the local license, you hold that for a time and uh, encouraged and taught and those kind of things. Then you go to a district license. I'm telling you, there's a reason for this. Uh, the district then, you meet with a, a credentials board annually to, to get your district license renewed. When you get your district license, the district is affirming your call to ministry, saying, yeah, we think you have a call. We're going to help you. Uh, we're going to propel you. You're going to learn some things. You're going to take some classes. And then when you finish that whole time, there's the ordination. Now, before you get ordained, um, your last meeting with the board of credentials uh, can be a, a quite intense meeting because whereas maybe you've met with committees throughout the years and, and had district license and those things, you, you get to the end where you have your last meeting. This is the last time, and they have all of the board in there. So there's all these pastors that I've respected from across the district, across the years, and there are like 20 of them, and they're all sitting around the table, and they're there. Their job is to judge me. <laughs> it's, it's an uncomfortable. Some of you, those of you who have went through it, you know what that's like. Um, their job is to make sure, because after this, that's it. You, like, you're ordained. You don't meet with them anymore. In fact, now you can serve on the board that does the ordaining or, or the, you know, the, the licensing and credentialing. And so it's a very important thing. And they ask you questions. What do you know, and how do you believe, and, and how have you uh, understood our theology? And there's all these things. And uh, one of the things that we stand on is a, the uh, idea of sanctification, being sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, surrendered to Him. It's, and we, you know, you guys know, we've talked about that a lot. So they asked me what I thought or to explain to them being sanctified. And I said this. I said, oh man, saint, being sanctified is awesome. The Holy Spirit, it comes in. As soon as I said that, I got stopped by, by one of the, the oldest on the board, you know, like the godfather of the board. He stopped the whole thing and he looked at me and he said, and he, he put his hand on the table, it, it, would you call your wife it? I said, no, sir, and you wouldn't either if you knew her. <laughs> uh, it broke the tension. I understood what he was saying, but I, it also really struck home with me because the Holy Spirit is a who. He is a person of the Trinity who is there to help and assist and be present and be active. And that's who we have been talking about. He, he, is, he is somebody that wants to help. So we're talking about the Trinity now, right? And, and this is a, a theological concept that people wrestle with and, and that we believe and affirm. In fact, uh, all Christians believe in the Trinity, so I thought, let me use the precise words of uh, William Barclay to explain. I love the way he says it. It's a dynamic tension. And this is what he said. The doctrine of the Trinity says that God is three in one and one in three. The doctrine of the Trinity steers between two dangers. On the one side, there's the danger of tritheism, the danger of making Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into three separate and independent entities, and therefore three gods. On the other side is the danger of Unitarianism, in which the Father, 
alone is God, and the Son is no more than a supremely great man, and the Holy Spirit no more than an impersonal force and power. There's this dynamic tension that we're walking. We don't worship three gods. We worship one. But we don't worship one God who is greater than two others. The Trinity describes God in three very specific relationships to us. And this is what I mean. We see God in the person of the Father, creator of all that is. Right? We see God in the person of Jesus Christ, who is our Redeemer, the one who came in the miracle of incarnation and rescued us from the consequence of sin. That's God the Son. And then we see God in the person of the Holy Spirit, the one who turns our thoughts to God through his revelation and his guidance and his controlling and and his equipping and his direction of life. Three in one. It's, It's a concept that people for generations have grappled with but I love the idea that God who is God God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has a unique relationship with us in so many different ways and on different levels so if we can dig into scripture a little bit the first, and I talked a little bit about this last week the first biblical reference to the Holy Spirit is actually early in the story of creation the second verse of the Bible says before creation happened there was formless dark chaos like the deep waters of a churning sea and the Spirit of God hovered and moved upon the face of the deep um, one version of the Bible the NRSV says a wind from God moved over the face of the waters it's a significant image of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, which we talked briefly on last week. The Bible often speaks of the Holy Spirit as God moving like a wind, invisible, but a moving and powerful force interacting with all that he comes into contact with. And I love this imagery that the Spirit of God worked creatively to bring order out of chaos and if you would dig into some and read some commentary on that Genesis some of the descriptions that I've read about uh, the chaos that was are quite amazing I mean just like a a tumultuous water with, with no form and it was just utter chaos and the Holy Spirit brought order to what had disorder one of the greatest pieces of advice my dad ever gave me was um, <laughs> as a high school student Cal you've got to quit living your life from one crisis to the next <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that one crisis to the next it was like you get addicted to crisis you have a crisis in your life and you, you get to the point finally that crisis is resolved but now what am I going to do I don't know what to do there's got to be something there's got to be some activity there's got to be some excitement and then you have another crisis I imagine that the, that that chaos is not what God wants for us. Because if that becomes our focus, then that's our only focus. And so I love the Holy Spirit. He comes into your life and he, he calms you down. And the reason that advice from my dad was, was so good was, that's common sense, right? But one chaotic moment to the next, one crisis to the next. You want to avoid that. We all understand that, but 
what it caused me to do was examine how do I stop this? I stop it by Holy Spirit coming in my life and me examining every situation that comes in and saying, Holy Spirit, I give this to you. Take this from me. Relieve my crisis. I realize that my battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. So, even as a, a young Christian, I realize that when it's taken time to get to a mature thought of this, but if somebody's talking about me or spreading rumors about me, which is what happens in high school, <laughs> then my battle's not with that person. As angry as I want to be and as much as I want to defeat them and, and ha you know, take revenge on them and all that, that's not who my battle's with. My battle is with principalities of darkness that cause them to behave that way. And so as I've gotten older, and, and I got to tell you, sometimes those crises come, man, and, and it's hard when you have one crisis and, and another crisis and another crisis not to get addicted to the crisis, and you don't know how to live unless you have a crisis in your life. You got to come to God and say, God, take this from me. I realize that my battle is not with whatever's going on, but it's with the principalities of darkness. Another significant reference to the Holy Spirit is, is in the story of the baptism of Jesus. This is, and this is early in Mark, uh, chapter 1. He tells us that Jesus, as he's coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending uh, like a dove on him and a voice, you, all, you guys all know this, came from heaven saying, you are my son, the beloved with you, I am well pleased. And, and if you keep reading it, well, it tells us two things first. One, that Jesus had a life shaped by a very special relationship with God the Father. Just a special relationship. And the interesting thing is, is you can have the same relationship. I can have the same relationship. The second thing is that the things that Jesus did, and this is cool, loving the way he loved. Like, I... I put that in my notes first on purpose because we, we often think about the things he did like um, healing and miracles and, and the way he taught and, and the way he called people. But love. I mean, you've all met somebody who's unlovable, right? That's what you think. With the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're able to love the unlovable. He enables us. Anyway, that's super important. But the second thing is, is, all of those things Jesus did are all things that we can expect God the Holy Spirit to do. In fact, Jesus said, even greater things you, will you do. The, um, the problem with the church is I don't, we're not seeing those greater things. The only thing I can imagine is we don't have the kind of relationship with God the Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Because remember that Jesus, when he came down, it, and I think it's John that says this, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but set a, basically he set aside his deity. Right? He, he is God as Jesus, but when he's operating as a human, he set his deity aside. And then it was at this moment, Mark records it, he gets baptized, he's given the, the Holy Spirit, now he's operating through the power of the Spirit. Which is why he's able to say, even greater things you will, will you do. You're going to do greater things. 
because I have the Holy Spirit. This is how I'm operating. This is how I'm doing. You have the same opportunity. The Holy Spirit should play a very important role in our lives. Becoming, becoming a Christian is entering a relationship with someone else who is alive and always present. Going back to my relationship with Sarisa, my wife, it, it's, uh, it's a relationship that enriches and enables and shapes my life, right? That's my, my spousal relationship. Holy Spirit is the presence of God active and present living in us that should do the same thing but in a holy way enrich you in a holy way enable you in a holy way uh, shape you in a holy way so, so how does the Holy Spirit then impact religion man this is interesting right it's because the Holy Spirit if you look in the Old Testament he was there in fact, one of the things that the ways I think it's in Deuteronomy records the way the Jews, the Israelites prayed was um, the Lord our Father is one. Uh, I, I forget the, the thing, but they recognized that God was already more than they knew him to be. He was not only God the Father, but he was more. It's a, it's a plural and a singular Hebrew put together. So they, under, they understood that, but Holy Spirit is given at specific times to specific people. Like with Samson, it says the Holy Spirit came on him with power and he was able to, um, to break the pillars down and kill all the Philistines. Like at specific times. When the Holy Spirit was unleashed on us. See, so they had all these, these rules set up and the way that they lived and the ideas that they lived by, they, they were all organized and, and proper and acceptable and this is how they lived for all those years and then Jesus came and he said I have a better way for you and then when Jesus died and our sins are forgiven like the the old law was fulfilled it it, it wasn't really abolished but he said listen here's it's is a new way to live in fact a new command I give you love one another as God has loved you so you must love one another he's saying like this is the new thing love each other now love each other so he comes in and he says there's a whole new way of being things and then after he died and was resurrected and then the Holy Spirit is unleashed on this earth. Now we ha all have access to the Holy Spirit. So what did that do to the religion of things? That's, that's really an interesting question for us. What does the Christian religion look like in the absence of the Holy Spirit? Let's ask that question. So Jesus, like now, today, our church, if we remove the Holy Spirit, what would that look like? I, I suspect it, it would be very familiar for many of us. That scares me a little, to be honest. Because it may have beliefs in God, beliefs learned from the Bible or spoken creeds, uh, rules for living, perhaps based on our memories of Jesus might also have rituals like baptism that dramatize our beliefs and the things that we follow the problem and this is where I'm going with that the problem in that is that that action is all ours that's all us 
And that's the danger in religion because it becomes about us and what we're doing and how we, you know, if we come to church and, and how we perceive the church and if we got baptized and if, if I teach a Sunday school class or if I'm on the, um, the, the board or if I'm on that, like, it becomes about the things that we do. It's, it's our action. And see, that's the type of people that Paul ran into in Ephesus here. They knew about repentance from sins. They, they knew about their moral responsibility. They were trying to live by it. The thing is, is that it was all them. That's what they were doing. Having religion and tradition isn't bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm a traditional guy. I love tradition. I, I, I don't know if it, because I'm, I'm a romantic by nature. Like, I love the things. And I, I like little love notes that... that we have a tradition of doing for each other and i i like christmas the way it is and i like i you know i'm traditional i like those things those aren't bad don't don't misunderstand what i'm saying but because it's also um i don't want to get too deep into this i feel like this is a teaching session do you guys i'm not really preaching now but uh, there's something called the dark night of the soul some of you maybe have heard of that like you begin to feel really far from god in fact it's a good there's some good books on that I want to encourage you to read about. You may sometimes feel like I'm just, I'm just so far from God. I can't find him. I, I don't feel connected with him. And, and it's in those, thing, those times of absence of feeling that the, the things that we've done, they, they maybe help to connect us. That's where religion maybe is good and helps us to connect to God, to, to stay connected, to pull us through that dark night to the other side don't mistake it though that's not how god wants us to live our christian lives that's not what he intended for us to do i think sometimes we mistakenly choose religion because we're afraid afraid of what might be required afraid that we might lose control i like the way i live i like the things i do i like where i'm at i like the control that i have so why would I give up anything? Here's the thing. Never forget, God is not a God of chaos. He starts out the whole Bible that way. He doesn't want to possess you. He doesn't want to control you. He wants to work with you. So church and, and religion, they're not bad things, but if that's our only thing, then we get lost. We can be a lost religious person, void of the Holy Spirit, missing out on the power that God has for us. I love that. God doesn't want to possess you. He wants to work with you. He wants to partner with you. He doesn't want you to lose control which I think is what we're scared of because we want the ability to do whatever we want. He doesn't want, to, 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 he doesn't want us to lose control. He wants to, to partner with us to, to make it like it's us together doing the things, right? So we still, are, we still have control because we have to choose. I don't know. Did we go too deep? Are you guys still, everybody still following? Okay, this is good stuff, man. It really is. It's good stuff. We need the Holy Spirit. He brings so much to the table of our Christian walk. Um, and, and here they are. And this is where, it really, go through the, all the scriptures. I'm not going to 
read through all of them, but they're, they're in our app if you want to look at the notes there. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth, John 14, 17. He, he is who breathed the inspiration into the Scriptures. That's 2 Timothy. As the revealer of truth, the Holy Spirit is the one who answers our prayers for God's help and guidance. He is the one who convicts us and tells us when there's sin in our lives. He is the one who, like if you ever, you're walking along and, and you're like, oh man, all of a sudden I just, I just realized that I mistreated that person yesterday. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Conviction. Holy Spirit's talking to you saying, oh, you need to fix this. Have you ever been uh, like laying in bed at night, you can't really quite go to sleep and you're there and um, somebody pops into your mind? Man, listen to that because that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I need you to pray for this person. I need you to pray for them. Have you ever been walking along and all of a sudden you're reminded of the person who wronged you last year you haven't talked to since oh watch out for that one because holy spirit saying listen you got something in there can we work on that it's a conviction like that's who, that's who he is and that's uh where, where am i john 15 or 16 john 16 read that the holy spirit comforts us oh that's so awesome john 14 have you ever been distraught and prayed to god for help God, I don't know what to do. And then he comforts you. Jesus says he's going to leave a comforter, and that's the Holy Spirit. He calms us. He comforts us. Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual power. I love this because I just like the idea of being able to punch the devil. You know what I mean? Like, I just I like knowing that I have the power. <laughs> Second Timothy and Acts both. Uh, we talked about this previously. We have ultimate power with the Holy Spirit. We don't have to fear anything spiritual with him on our side. In fact, I would say that we give the enemy too much credit because we fight him too hard and long. I had a... And this isn't about spiritual warfare. I just want you to know how much power we have over the enemy, okay? I have a friend who was having a, a time of spiritual warfare with a particular individual and it was it was an all-night thing and i told i told him man i don't it's, it's somebody i respected so we weren't fighting but i said listen imagine every everywhere jesus went just okay so do this scripture let's stick to scripture every time jesus encountered somebody that had a demon what happened every time even in his presence, they were uncomfortable, right? Just even in his presence. We have power. The Bible says we have power. Read that, 2 Timothy, or, yeah, 2 Timothy 1.7, Acts 1.8. We have power. But then, you remember, his disciples came and said, hey, Jesus, how come we can't do this? And he said, some things come only by much prayer and fasting. Remember that part? We've got to be ready. You need to be prayed up, and you need to, and fast, how often do we fast, really? Do we practice a fast to, to focus on God? The, I need to go on. The Holy Spirit is our ultimate guide. John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. 
The Holy Spirit will guide you into what is right. You're wondering what's right. I don't know what to do. He will guide you there. I'm telling you this. One of the biggest problems that Christians have is we all sit around saying, I don't know what God's will is. Oh, God, show me your will. Oh, I need you to tell me. He's not hiding it. He wants you to know. You've got to get get quiet with him, get close to him, draw near to him. And he promises us right here, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's going to tell you what's right. He's going to lead you into where you need to go. And whenever he speaks to you, you will know the direction. So what does it mean to receive the Holy Spirit? It means that God will shape your life. It means that welcoming the holy, living God into your life and to choose to let your life be shaped by the relationship that you have created with Him. It's your relationship with God, listen to this, that makes your religion come alive. If your religion isn't alive, evaluate your relationship with God. It means that you're going to find it easier and easier to follow God by the power of Holy Spirit in your life. And it just happens. The, the closer you draw to Him, the, the more you give yourself to Him. The, and we were talking about this in our Sunday school this morning. As, as you draw closer to God, He's going to say to you, oh man, Cal, you're doing so good, but there's this one area. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't seen that before, but I see it now, God. Let me take that from you. And then we have, you know, okay, let's let God take it. I'm telling you, the closer you get to him, the more you realize, oh, this doesn't hurt. This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. He wants to do that. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to, to heal you. And there's, there's so much healing by letting go. When you find yourself getting caught up with what God is doing in the world, when you get excited about being committed to God's purpose for you and for the whole of creation, your life will become a new kind of adventure. Like it's going to be just an awesome thing, walking hand in hand with God. He, he's filling you. He's guiding you. He's directing you. Holy Spirit is with you. It's awesome. <sighs> Uh, we're at the end here. You know, my, my prayer for our church is this. You remember this song? We're gonna, we're gonna, we were talking about it this morning, the praise team, and we're learning some new songs I'm excited about, but this is funny because for me, this wasn't new. Holy Spirit, rain down. Remember that? Holy Spirit, rain down. My comforter and friend. Just rain down on us. That's my prayer. Because if, if we would... I know the lights are broke. I'm going to move down anyway. If we would let him rain down, then his glory might be revealed in our midst. If we would let him rain down, his glory might be revealed. I want to be so filled with the Spirit that he guides me in every single thing that I do every step that I take. I want to get so close to Him that I don't have to take a week of quiet and solitude and praying to find out what He wants. I want to be so close that I'm just, I just say, God, what, 
so what's the next thing? Oh, well, yeah, this thing here. I want the Spirit to fall in our church. And this is the scripture I keep coming back to. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Mark it in your Bible, verses 1 through 5. Underline this. Highlight it, whatever you do. If it's in Bible Gateway or Bible app or whatever, you can highlight it there. This is good. I've give, there's been a lot of teaching today, but here's what Paul says. And so it is with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. No amount of teaching, no amount of wisdom, no amount of eloquence from any speaker or preacher is going to help us have the kind of relationship with Him that He wants. Nobody's going to come to know Jesus because I argued them out of hell. It's not going to happen. People are going to come to know Jesus. What does Paul say? It's not with wise and persuasive words, but by the power, a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by wise and persuasive words. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter how well we can talk. It doesn't matter how well we can argue. It's not with wise or persuasive words, only by a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. And so this is what I'm asking. Are we at a place in our lives where people come to know Jesus because they see the power of the Spirit in our lives? Because, you know, I have talked to people and they've gotten saved. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But that was because I was convincing and I was this and it's, I don't know the, the statistic, but I know that it's so much less when you talk somebody into being saved as whenever they sense the power of your spirit, of the Holy Spirit in you. That's where real change comes from. When, and I, I'm not saying necessarily that that means you're laying hands on people and, and they're getting healed. Maybe that's the case. I pray to God that that happens. But can you love the unlovable? Can you pray without ceasing? Are you walking in lockstep with God? And they notice a demonstration power of the Spirit. That's where it happens, and to be honest, it scares us. It scares me, because as the pastor, I kind of want to have some control, <laughs> if I'm being honest, over what happens. But more than I want control, I want the Holy Spirit. So, I don't even know how to end this. Would you guys stand with me? Think let's take a moment and Gemma's playing for us and maybe she can uh, sing the chorus with us here. I'm going to give a moment. If you'd like to pray, I mean, 
pray wherever you are. Come to the altar and pray. Kneel at your chair. That's kind of cool sometimes. Just say, Holy Spirit. I just want you, Holy Spirit. I can't do this on my own. It's apparent. It's apparent that I keep trying and I'm always failing and, and the religion of things is just overwhelming me. That's not what I want. I want to walk in lockstep with you. Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, it's, man, it's dangerous praying for the Holy Spirit because your heart might get changed. And who knows where he's going to take you. Don't let fear of losing control stop you. In fact, embrace the partnership that God wants to create. you to pray. That's it. We're just praying. Yes. God, we're asking. Holy Spirit, Fill this place, change our lives, move in us, build our life. I love that. Build our life. Yes, God. We're, gonna, we're just going to tarry for a little while, sing a, a couple more times the chorus, and then we're going to pray. Spirit, we are praying for you to fill us. Holy Spirit, we love you today. God, as and we say God so often, we, we remember God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, it is you who guides and directs and helps and fills us. Help us to experience you in such a real way. Remind us it is not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of your power. So whatever that looks like for each one of us, would you fill us with your self? Maybe a demonstration of power is 
is loving somebody that is unlovable. Maybe it's forgiving somebody that we feel so wronged by demonstration of your power. Maybe it's praying for somebody that is healed. It'd be a great demonstration of your power. Maybe it's restoring a relationship with a family member that has went away. I don't know what it looks like, but Holy Spirit, we, I ask, and, and my prayer is this, and I hope everybody's is, change me into what you want me to be. Reveal to us the truth about what you want us to do. And protect us, because I know that as we press in to you, as a church, as we press in together and, and looking for your glory to be revealed in this place, I know attacks will come. So God, we bind the enemy in Jesus' name. And, and, and when the attacks come, remind us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the people that bring the attacks. It's against the principalities of darkness. Walk with us in all that we do, I pray. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Yeah.